You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news, sports, and weather coverage throughout the day. It's absolutely free. Don Hartley, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, January 30, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris. I got my main man, Justin Jones. Couldn't do it without him. Well, occasionally have to do it without him, but I'd rather not. He's right there in the control room. He's manning uh, all the equipment and uh, helping to produce the show, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. We got a jam-packed show on tap for you, and uh, we'll run it down. We're going to jump in right with a guest, though, to lead off. So before we do that, I have to tell you this hour, the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com or get by and see them at one of their many locations around the great state of Alabama, including their home base right here in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. Coming up at 930, it's the Rocket Man, Drudy Arman, uh, from Talking Ball, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Then at 1030, Corey LeBounty from uh, WNSP Radio in Mobile. He's at the Senior Bowl this morning at Senior Bowl Practices. He's going to join us for a Senior Bowl update. We'll talk some Super Bowl with him and more with Corey LeBounty from down at WNSP uh, Sports Talk in Mobile at 1030. But right now, we're going to jump out on the first of main kind of names hotline and lead off with a guest, former Alabama linebacker Grannison Wagstaff, 94 to 19. 98, signed with Gene Stallings, finished up for Mike DeBose. Right now he is uh, back in his high school alma mater, coaching uh, varsity football. He's the quarterback's coach and also uh, teaching ninth grade English. Grandison Wagstaff is with us, and we had to work around his uh, class schedule this morning, Justin. That's why he was available to go here for a few minutes as we lead off the show. I, I will set this up by saying I've known Grandison for a long time and uh, did a little piece on my Facebook, WVUA 23 Facebook page on him because he had an opportunity to meet Kalen DeBoer at the Alabama High School Coaches uh, Meeting down in Montgomery and uh, you know, it was a quick meeting, but he had a really favorable first impression. So we decided to catch up with Grannison this morning, ask him about Coach DeBoer, ask him about his uh, teaching and coaching career, his memories of Alabama football, and more. Good morning, Grannison. How are you? Uh, hey, Gary. And yeah, man, I, I've been knowing you for a long time. I just want to thank you. You know, back when I was an undergrad and uh, uh, got my degree in journalism, you, know, you were the first ones to give me an opportunity to, you know, to be on air and put some packages together and, you know, I always be grateful to you for that because, uh, you know, like I said, I was a young guy back then, and you, you know, you gave me an opportunity, and I really grateful. Well, I remember it well. We've been friends for a long time, and and um, excited that you've carved out a really successful career in teaching and coaching. And and uh, I'll say this, folks: everybody that knows Grandison. He's one of those people, rare people. Uh, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Grandison Wagstaff ever. Uh, all right, let's yes, start out with where we're at right now, and then I want to yes, backtrack. Sir. But uh, you were at the Alabama High School Coaches Meeting, and Kalen DeBoer was there. And it was a short meeting, but you had an opportunity uh, to visit yes. with him, to that you played at Alabama, and you told me that uh, just yeah. a really positive first impression. Uh, yeah, well, he just, uh, you know, it, it was a, he was speaking to a large coaching audience. There were coaches from all, high school coaches from all over the state there, and he was just going over his plan, his philosophy, some of his expectations, uh, you know, wanting to connect with the high school coaches and just, you know, 
uh, try, try to build this thing. You know, he realizes that this is a tough act he's going to follow. And so he just kind of went over some general things like that. And then he was a real approachable guy. And uh, so afterward, after he got through speaking, he kind of mingled with the coaches. You know, of course, people were taking pictures and just coming up, just trying to have a short little personal conversation with him. Uh, like I said, it wasn't long. I just kind of, you know, told him I you know, played ball there. We talked about, uh, you know, the Alabama football fraternity, uh, Bama Sci-Fi. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a little organization starting amongst the Bama players with some of Coach Bryant's. Some members that were the members of Coach Bryant's last class that kind of got that thing rolling, and and so he, you know, he talked about that, and and uh, you know, he's slowly getting introduced to that, and you know, he just was, you know, everybody being positive and and uh, speaking well of everybody, and people being real helpful, and just, you know, just uh, just wanting to get off to a good start, age to get excited because because he realized there's some things that he, that he has to. Uh, do in order to keep this keep the train going when i was at his introductory press conference and uh you know listening to him talk and watching him interact with people and and then he did a little q a with um the reporters after the press conference i guess the thing that that kind of jumped out to me was he just seemed um genuine and comfortable in his own skin and like you said he knows what he's following he knows he's following arguably the greatest coach to to ever do it and he knows the expectation here but it doesn't seem to be um daunting to him it doesn't seem to be intimidating to him and i got the sense that that's because he's just really comfortable in who he is as a person who he is as a football coach and he looks forward to this is that uh, is that the way he came across to you uh, yes, sir. And, and that's the thing that I think that most jumped out at me impressed. He didn't seem to shy away from the challenge. As a matter of fact, I think he's, so just from my perspective, he's anxious to uh, go after it and, and see what he can do. Because, you know, th- of course he did well at Washington, but, you know, uh, I've been out on the West Coast and been around those people, and they, lo- they love football, but they don't, it's not religion like it is down here. Right. And I think and I think that's what uh, the challenge that he is embracing. And he, he and the staff, and some of the guys that he kept over, like Coach Roach, that I that, that I know, uh, I played with Coach Roach's brother Tim when he was at Alabama, Tim Bowen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I uh, man, and that's the thing that most impressed me. You know, he like I said, he hung around and and you know took pictures, interacted with. Uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't you know, Gary. To be honest, the reason why the conversation was short because I made it short because I, you know, I, I was because I was trying to be respectful because there were other coaches and people want to go talk to him and all that. But you know, he he would just sit. He sit there and talk to you and be real personable, and, and that's the thing I think is most impressive. You know, some, some just kind of side note: he's a, he's actually a bigger guy than what I thought. He's got some size to him. <laughs> yeah, you know, he was a yeah. at uh, at Sioux Falls as a player. He was a terrific wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, he put up some some record numbers there. Uh, Granison Wagstaff, former Alabama linebacker, now uh, coaching and teaching at his high school alma mater, Enterprise High School, joining us for a few minutes here between classes to talk about Coach DeBoer and Alabama football. All right, uh, when you were here as a player, you came in uh, under Gene Stallings and you were here for the transition yeah. to Mike DeBose. And, um, yeah. you know, you were – on some good teams, um, you know, yes, and then of course, toward, yes, you know, toward the end there. But, uh, yeah. you know, your experience <laughs> yes, of playing at Alabama, what was that like? Oh, man, uh, it's, a, it's like I said, it forever be grateful. You know, the thing is, you really don't realize, you know, Alabama football is big and important, but you really don't realize, I think you realize it more after you're done. You know, and you and you really see the passion, and you talk to the people, and you, and then you then you the other thing you find out how uh, the vitriol a lot of other fan bases have against Alabama, but uh, 
but it, it's something you love, and, and I and man, I'll forever be grateful. The crowds, the the people I met, the places I've been able to go, the connections I've been able to make. Um, and you know, it's something I, I love, and I you know, especially being a kid from in state. Uh, you know, it, it, it really means a lot to say that I you know was able to play on the university, play at the University of Alabama. And uh, and you know wear that crimson jersey and play in Brian Diddy Stadium and some of the other stadiums like Jordan Hare and Death Valley and some of those other places, you know, because I know there's a lot of people out there that wish they could do that, and I was fortunate to be able to have that opportunity. Gene Stallings was uh, probably the closest to, to Coach Bryant that that uh, yes. of any of the coaches that that worked under him, yes. and you know really brought back the pride to Alabama football and won the national championship in '92, won 70 games yes. in seven years. What was it like when you were being recruited by him? Because you were recruited by a lot of schools. What oh, was that experience? Yeah, man, it was it was awesome because it was like you know Coach Stallings and Coach Woody McCorvey mm-hmm. at the time. He was the, he was my uh, primary recruiter, you know, they came to the house and Coach Stallings walked in and, and man, it was just like, it was just crazy. You know, my parents were like, oh my, you know, Gene Stallings at my house and, you know, he just, he knew how to talk to me and parents and, you know, he had, man, you know, he had my mother sold and, and you know, she cooked for him and he talked about how good her cooking was and all that just sent her over the moon and, and uh, you know, she was like, I like him and, and the, the and the thing was, I knew I knew it was a, a place that I was going to go, uh, leaning there because even when I went when I went to my first game up there, and again when Alabama played Arkansas, and I was able to go into it was crazy because uh, at the time Randy Ross, who was a recruiting coordinator, he kind of pulled me away from some of the recruits, and he, he took me into the coach's office, and I got to sit with Gene Stallings before a game. You know, he was going over his game plan. You know, we talked about me being from Enterprise. He, he, you know, he talked about some of the players they. That played at Alabama before they were from Enterprise, and it was just, you know, honestly, I was just so enthralled. I really, I just remember bits and pieces of conversation because I was just like, I'm getting to talk to Gene Stallings. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it was kind of, it was a little surreal just being a high school kid at the time, and and I knew from that point, you know, Alabama was was definitely going to be the be a place for me. Then once I got to meet the players and the other coaches, I mean, you know, it, it's and then you know, then you realize, you know, people in the media. You know how much Alabama matters, and and everything that 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 comes along with it, and, and you know it's definitely something you have to be mindful of. You know, and with that being said, you know you have to be careful how you conduct yourself nowadays, and and even back then, but even more so now with social media. Yeah, you know you. You, you know, you have to conduct yourself in a certain way, and there's a pride that comes along with that. Yeah, no doubt about it. You came in in 94. Um, it was an interesting – you were – as I said, you went through the transition. Uh, yeah. Alabama won the national championship in 92. 94, I think you were redshirted. And, yeah. But uh, yes, that team – um, and we mentioned Coach Stallings winning 70 games in seven years when they only played 11, mm-hmm. and they added the SEC yeah. championship game in 92. So he averaged 10 yes, wins sir. a year. That 94 yes. team, though, was, uh, you know, it happened in 92. They got past Florida. But that 94 team was 11-0. Mm-hmm. and 0. And you go to yeah. uh, Atlanta to play Florida in the SEC championship game and, yeah. and, get, and lose a heartbreaker. Uh, that team oh, wound yeah. up, you know, 12-1. and 1, But um, that that could have been, a you know, obviously very close to being a championship team in 94. Oh. Yes, that you know it was it was it was surreal because like I said, I was a freshman in and to be around those guys, you know Sherman Williams, Curtis Brown, Jay Barker, Damon Jeffries, you know Tommy Johnson, Dwayne Rudd, yeah, yeah. Got, yeah, Dwayne Rudd, you know Dwayne and I came in together yep. just just to be around those guys and you, you know you learn how to be a I won't say a professional but you learn how to prepare, mm-hmm. you know you learn how to practice, you know 
you know, uh, you know, as a freshman, you know, you come through, you may have practiced and you may be dragging. It's like, you know, we don't practice like that at Alabama. You know what I mean? There's a certain, there's a certain standard. You know, that's a common word you hear. But there's a certain standard even back then you had to uphold and maintain the way you practice, the way you prepared. You know, and that was the thing. You know, that team had a little bit of swag and the fact that, you know, they relish going up to Knoxville, relish mm-hmm. going to Starkville, relish to go to these places because, like Coach Thomas would say, there's nothing like beating the teams you know what in their own stadium. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, his thing was we're not going to win with schemes and strategies. We're going to win with players making plays. Guys, I could draw up on the board, but you all have to go out there and execute. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Then what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was the thing. You know, we're Alabama. They're Tennessee. You know, there's a certain way then, you know, like like you would say earlier, Coach Stallings, you know, played, you know, you got to think about it, Coach Stallings, he was probably one of the two greatest coaches of all time. He worked with Coach Bryant, and a lot of people forget he was with the Cowboys and the Tom Landry. Right. And, and so when he shared the stories about Tom Landry and him having to, uh, he, you know, he was a young coach then, and he had to do room checking, and, you know, he had to tell Roger Starbeck, hey, man, get in your room. <laughs> he was like, you know, I got to tell Roger Starbeck, you know, hey, make sure you stay in your room, <laughs> you know, just for room checking. Then the stories he would tell about Coach Landry and Coach Bryan, and, you know, you, you know, that was the one thing, you know, Coach Stallings was real personal because he had stories. He was a storyteller. He didn't have a whole lot of rules, but you, you knew where you stood with him. He was a real playing guy, and that's what made him special. So that 94 team could have won that game against Florida. If you're an Alabama fan, yeah. you probably say should have won. And then uh, the transition yeah. to Coach DeBose in 97 was tough. But your senior, of course, yeah. 99, they'd win the SEC championship. Yeah. But your senior yeah, year in 98, you, you, you have a, your, your senior class has something that we don't talk about very often. But you were yeah. part of the team that played the last Iron Bowl yeah. in, yeah. in uh, Legion Field, and you beat Auburn in that game. And Bill Oliver, yeah. at that time, was uh, was coaching Auburn. That, that had to be a memorable game. Yeah. Well, Kerry, you remember, we also we lost, lost to Florida in the SEC Championship game in 96, Coach Stallings last year. That was, that was a good team as well. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, 98, you know, that's what I always tell people. And I still have that game program to this day. And it was, the, it was the Bama game, and Fernando Bryan, you know, one of, one of my other teammates, he was on the front cover, and I made sure to get him to sign it. He autographed it for me. And I still have it to this day because, you know, that's the last game, the last true Iron Bowl, so to speak. And, you know, we were, and what made it special was we were able to come back. We started off slow. Uh, F.A., I mean, no, excuse me, Sean Alexander, he, uh, he uh, you know, he struck fire, caught hot, the defense, uh, Coach Ella Johnson, you know, he he was the defensive coordinator. He kind of picked up on what Auburn was doing at the time, and, and uh, we were able to, you know, circle circle that thing back around and and uh, and pull it out. And I think, you know, that that was a special moment. And you know, it, you know, I hate to say it because it, it was funny because after the game, you know, you look up in the stands, you know, it was a lot of the, the, the fraternities got into it <laughs> after that game, and it, 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 yeah, so it, it, it got it got a little it got a little wild in there <laughs> up the stairs towards the end. But you know that that's something they would be grateful, and I still have a picture to this day where I had the flag. You know, to hold it. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was the front page of the crimson white, yeah. and uh, and, and so it has and what makes it special. You can see the score again. Thirty-one seventeen in the background. Yeah, you yeah, got the flag. Yeah, so, You're turning around, yeah. looking at the uh, at the uh, yeah. at the camera and the fans yeah. surrounding the fence. Final yeah. Iron Bowl ever at Legion Field. Yeah, that is a great yeah. picture. You, you I, yeah, do you, I, I, do you have yeah. that framed? I, no, you know that's a, uh, my mom has saved it, and a bunch of other people gave me copies. 
I, I never, even after this time, I kept up with it, and it's still in good condition. I never got around to framing it. I probably, I, do, I know I should now that you mention it, but I, I don't know who that cameraman was. I, I know his credit is somewhere on that page, but yeah, I'm forever grateful to whoever that was because that, that definitely, definitely was a memory I hold dear and my family holds dear. All right, listen, I know you got to get back to teaching, but uh, as an alum, um, you know, after you played here, Alabama, you know, did have some ups and downs. You know, Coach DeBose yeah. was fired after 2000, Coach yeah. Fran left coach Shula yes, did his best but couldn't get it going but then Saban comes in what, what's it been like uh, as an alum and a former player watching that dynasty that he built and built and did you get to be around coach Saban at all uh yes I was able to meet coach Saban you know as uh, and on a couple of occasions and through coaching camps and when we had doing a day weekend he and you know some people think he's gruff but he's a real approachable guy especially in a you know kind of a, a setting where there's no media no cameras around he's real approachable uh guy to talk to and sharing his philosophy, how he talks about clutter and, and keeping focus on the goal and maintaining uh, a standard and, you know, not, not coming down to other people and staying up on others. But, you know, I really enjoyed talking to him, and he's able to us to walk around with the pride. I'm mean, not to say we never had pride, but, you know, you kind of walk around with our chest poked out a little bit, able to us to brag a little bit. And, you know, in the A-Club room before the game, we can, you know, we, we're confident, oh, yeah, we're going to take this game. And then – you know, it's just a swagger of confidence that Coach Stabler was able to allow us to have, even though we're not on the field. We still had that same swagger, that same bravado in the sense that, you know, that we had with Coach Stallings and Coach, Coach Stabler was able to take that and, and take it on a whole nother level. And, and you know, that's the thing I'll always be uh, grateful for him for that because it wasn't, even though it wasn't about football all the time, you know, he made sure his players graduated. He made sure, you know, he did what he did to, you know, he, Make sure that not only if they didn't make it to the NFL, you know, we know about the NFL guys, but he made sure those guys got jobs, you know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something to support, support and take care of themselves. I think that's what a lot of people don't know. And, you know, he tried to set up, you know, try to put guys in a position to succeed, which, which is what a great coach does. And that's what makes him even more greater, even on top of what he accomplished on, on the field. You know, that speaks for itself. Uh, but uh, but even what he was able to do, you know, uh, for his guys off the field, and I think that's what he's a lasting more. All right, Granison, so we're gonna we're gonna leave on a note that. Um it's it's a sad note, but a lot of people may not know yeah. because we remember the devastating tornado here in 2011 yeah. uh, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Back in, in 2007, there was a terrible yeah. tornado that came through and hit Enterprise High School, killing eight students. Mm-hmm. You were uh, yeah. you were a major, major part of that that day. Yes, I, I was in the school that day. Uh, I, I, was, I was subbing that day for an old teacher of mine, and, and you know, it definitely was... You know, it's, it's it's crazy because you really don't realize it till you, you know, you're aware of the power of tornado, but when you're actually in the storm, so to speak, and you hear that tornado coming and how you think of a cement brick building, how wind, which is basically what a tornado is, just was tearing through that. And and I could see the, you know, just a blessing from the Lord because the tornado was coming right at me. I was in the hall. If, if you see the big picture uh, in the school, you know, the big picture everybody sees, I was on that hall. And the tornado was coming right towards me, Gary, and, and God blessed it. I mean, to where that, you know, a tornado jumped up and down. Right. And so that tornado jumped. I saw it, you know, because I had my head turned because there was a student who broke his leg, and he was a football player, and we were talking about football and stuff anyway. I grabbed him because he was sitting in the chair. He couldn't move because I grabbed him, threw him down, got on top of him, and then, I don't know, my curiosity, I closed my eyes, and then I turned around looked back for a second. I could see it coming at me, and I saw it jump up. 
out of out of the school and it landed in the gym where nobody was. And so it was kind of surreal in a sense to where, um, you know, it was kind of like a movie where everything seemed to be moving slow motion. I'm getting up, looking around. I see students crying and it's, uh, you know, it was sad because the first student I went to grab, you know, was one of the students that passed. She had, she had got trapped and I was trying to pull her out, but I noticed she wasn't saying anything. And then I kind of lifted her arm and it fell down and, you know, and so I turned to the principal who was standing right there, and we both just kind of had just had a sad moment. I mean, not to bring up anything bad at, at that, but you know, but then there were moments where we saved a lot of students and mm-hmm. we were able to get people out, and it could have been worse than what it was, but it definitely is a memory I, I will forever remember, and it was just a blessing that uh, I'm you know I'm here and I'm grateful to the Lord up above, yep. the great people, the Enterprise Rescue Squad, it just Squad wasn't. and the other teachers. Yeah, it wasn't your time. Yes, sir. Yes, it was sir. not your time, but uh, but I, I, you know, that was a devastating tornado, and you were in the middle of it, and I remember yes, it well, and and wanted to to ask you about that. Well, this has been a great visit, uh, Grandison, and yes. and uh, one final quick thought from you on uh, oh, yeah. on yeah. Coach DeBoer. Do you think he's going to? Uh, you think he's going to keep it going? I, I feel like yes. You know, the impression I got, he definitely has the will and the mindset and ready to go. You know, it's just. You know, you know the word Bama fans hate to hear patience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just because he may lose a game or even two, God forbid, you know, we can't go jumping off the building as ready to fire, fire him. Because we don't want to create that cycle that we had in the early 90s where we're behind and firing coaches. You know, we, 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 we want to try to give some stability. Now, granted, yeah, I, you know, there may be a slight drop-off. But I, I feel confident in the former players that I talk to. We have a little chat group that we keep in touch and talk to each other. A lot of them are confident, and at least the ones I talk to, I can't speak for every former player. But um, he's got the support of the ones I talk to, and, you know, we're behind him, and we're ready because at the end of the day, we just want to see Bama do well and, and everybody succeed. Good to catch up, Granison. Take care. I'll let you get uh, back yeah. to work, my friend. All right, thank you, Gary. Appreciate you having me on your air, man. And like I said, I'm forever grateful, and best wishes to you and your show. And, Take care, sir. All right. Grandison Wagstaff down at Enterprise High School, former Alabama linebacker. Some great uh, topics there, and and uh, he was really impressed with uh, Kalen DeBoer when he met him last week. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and kind of get back on time and have some quick headlines, and then we'll get to Drew DeArmond uh, at the bottom of the hour. And uh, this is the Gary Harris Show on Top 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9, brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Everwood, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood, treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Sunday, Alabama women's basketball picked up a 91-74 win over Kentucky in a game that featured a career-high 34 points for Sarah Ashley Barker. Head coach Christy Curry joined us on the radio after the win. You know, I thought we did a really good job of rebounding the basketball. We had 10 offensive boards at halftime and then, you know, had uh, 17 for the game. I thought we dominated the glass, so rebounding's definitely been a point of emphasis so we can get our transition game going. And I thought the last five minutes of the of the second quarter, we were really able to get some things going in transition and find some easy baskets. So when we can rebound like that and run, it makes a big difference. 
Really does. And also when Sarah Ashley Barker takes over a game, that makes a big difference as well. Uh, Double-double, 34 points, a new career high. Yeah, I mean, it's just a will. I mean, the kid doesn't want to lose. Um, and she's a phenomenal leader for us. I thought Essence Cody also with a double-double, 14 and 10. We've really been challenging our bigs. You know, I thought she, she played outstanding today. So anytime we can get that third player in double figures too. I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship-quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you missed last night's edition of Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance, catch an on-demand on the Alabama... ...into a giant pile of shiny coin tax refunds. Oh, not fair. You use Tax Slayer. Start for free and get your guaranteed maximum refund. Tax Slayer. File fearlessly. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. A nice warm-up today. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high 61. Tonight becoming cloudy. There could be a few sprinkles around. The low at 36. Tomorrow's sunny and cooler. The high 52. And Thursday. Thursday, a sunny day with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 40 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 927, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We got uh, we jump right in with Granis and Wagstaff there. Really nice interview on a lot of different topics. Uh, Drudy Armin coming up here in a couple of minutes. And in the second hour, we're going to have plenty of time for phone calls. I will tell you that. We'll have some time for phone calls possibly here at the end of the first hour on the uh, First Domain Condos hotline presented by First Domain Condominiums, luxury condominiums in historic downtown Northport. A few uh, sports notes before we have to get back to the break to get back on time. High school basketball last night. Uh, the area championship in Class 6A Area 7 was decided. Uh, Paul Bryant high school at home beat Northridge 62-45 so Paul Bryant will host the uh, area tournament and uh, Northridge will be the number two seed of course the top two finishers in the area tournament um will advance on uh, that's a very competitive area uh, Shelton State last night wins a uh, double header at uh, home against Calhoun the men win at 75-69 and the women, uh, Madonna Thompson's team is phenomenal again. They blew out uh, Calhoun 76-42. Mark Sears, for the second time this season, is the SEC Men's Basketball Player of the Week. After averaging 21.5 points, 6.5 assists, and 4 rebounds in the Crimson Tide's home wins over number 8 Auburn and then at Saturday night against LSU. Uh, head coach uh, Nate Oates loves uh, Sears for all that he brings to the team. Quote, he's a super talented offensive player. He's tough. He's physical. He drives it downhill. Even when he's not shooting uh, well, my guess would be he might be uh, shooting in there right now. He was talking about after the game because he went 0 for 5 for 3 against LSU, but he made 11 of 11 free throws. That's the kind of versatility that Mark Sears has. And Alabama basketball is back in the top 25 basketball rankings. Crimson Tide ranked number 22 in the USA Today Sports Coaches Poll and number 24 in the AP Top 25. It's the first time since November that uh, Alabama has been ranked. And uh, Matt Zenitz of 247 Sports reported on Sunday that Alabama head coach Kalen DeBoer uh, is adding Jatavis Sanders from North Carolina State as his director of recruiting strategy at Alabama. Sanders was a high school coach in Georgia before going to Raleigh, and that, of course, has a lot of uh, 
context for Alabama, which recruits the state of Georgia very, very, very heavily. And um, Johnson is the Tide Basketball Post Game Show brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance, Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages. That's 800-294-8831. What do you have to lose? Call 800-294-8831. Again, 800-294-8831. Need to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. ESPN Radio and Huntsville co-host of Talking Ball weekday mornings from 7 to 9 and uh, frequent guest here on uh, Tide 100.9 FM and of course uh, joins me every Tuesday morning to talk some ball right here on the Gary Harris Show. How you doing, Drew? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing well. When we look back at this Ryan Williams recruitment now and, and you talk to some people, it's like, oh, he was going to Alabama the whole time. But it uh, but it didn't always seem that way. And when he uh, recommitted, I guess, last week to the Crimson Tide, it was a huge pickup for Coach Kalen DeBoer and this new coaching staff to get the uh, all-purpose, uh, outstanding offensive athlete from Saraline High School locked in here uh, for the Crimson Tide. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I – before Nick Saban retired, I felt very confident that he was going to be in Tuscaloosa. I think there was a, a few days after he retired when you saw some of the roster attrition and, of course, understand that, uh, you know, that, that relationship. Uh, one second, Gary. Sorry, sir. Did you order a Starbucks? Two um, uh, sausage biscuits. Okay, Inter- food, interrupted everybody. Drew's breakfast. Ten minutes on Okay. Yeah, you're going to be like 10 minutes. Okay, I'll pull around. Okay, thank you. Yep. And, uh, Give me a second. You have a drink, right? Yeah, I had a large diet Dr. Pepper. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yep. Sorry about that, Gary. Okay. Got a little bit delayed. All right, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it was a, I think for the most of his recruitment, I mean, when he recommitted so early, and when Nick Saban, you know, was was there, and with with the relationship that he had with the staff and the continuity, I think I felt very confident. Even when Hugh Freeze came to Auburn, I knew they had him on campus, and I knew they were making a push. But I just felt like, uh, even when he reclassified, when Nick Saban was there, I you know I felt very very confident he was going to be in Tuscaloosa. Even with all the buzz around Auburn, I just felt like in the end that he was still going to sign with Alabama. Um, you know, but then when Nick Saban retired, we saw the roster attrition. Some of them today spoke to the media over with the Ohio State suck eyes. And so you're a little nervous, uh, you know, that, uh, that uh, with Nick Saban's uh, retirement and transition, even with Kalen DeBoer's offense, you know, recruiting is about relationships. And so you're a little bit nervous. You're thinking, I don't know, you know, is, uh, you know, could, could something happen there? But I think, you started having a feeling 
when Ryan Williams showed up to the team meeting uh, the week of his uh, official visit and was there on his own dime, and he showed up to be there at the team meeting with uh, his with his his uh, best friend Jalen and Bachway, and just to be in on it and to start building a relationship with that coaching staff. Then, as far as I know, he never made the visit to LSU that was supposed to happen in the midweek. Then he shows up for his official visit in Tuscaloosa. He cancels the Texas official visit right after the Tuscaloosa visit. Then you saw the hourglass tweet. You heard all the buzz, and you heard it in, in living in Tuscaloosa as you have for so many years. When you start hearing all that, you start thinking that there's something cooking. And then he cancels the Auburn visit and recommits to Alabama. And I just think it was a huge boon for Kalen DeBoer. And I think I admire Ryan Williams and his dad for giving Coach DeBoer a chance because we've already heard that guys like him. And, yes, because they're being paid, they can be called out by name. Isaiah Bond, Amari Black, a lot of these guys didn't even give Kalen DeBoer a chance to speak with them. Okay? They just basically were gone. But luckily, uh, you know, uh, in this in this case, uh, the, uh, the uh, what we saw is these young these young guys or this young guy and his dad Ryan Williams they gave Coach DeBoer an opportunity. They wanted to hear from the new staff. They, uh, you know, and, and I think it was really wise on their part because again, this is a decision that's going to be for the next three to four years of your life. Very likely with a, a student athlete like Ryan Williams, three years, but. I mean, you have to make the it, styles make fights, and Alabama had you know featured wide receivers throughout Nick Saban's tenure, developed first round picks. They had one that won the Heisman, and Kalen DeBoer. It's a different style of offense. Uh, we've been used to quote unquote Nick Saban's offense for 17 years, but when you look at Kalen DeBoer's and what he did at Washington, finishing first and second the last two years in passing in college football. And then you have three receivers that are moving on to the NFL after this season, Gary. And those all three of those guys will be first or second round picks. I think Ryan Williams made the right decision uh, because they're going to feature him in this offense. Uh, he's going to have a chance to touch the ball a lot, even more so in, in many ways than in uh, than Alabama under Nick Saban. Even though we saw Amari Cooper set records, we saw Devontae Smith. But this is a different era of football at Alabama, and it could be a very exciting one. And I thought it was a very level-headed decision. I don't blame Ryan Williams for decommitting and exploring his options. But when you sit back and you look at the schools that he got it down to, which was basically Alabama, Texas, and Auburn, um, Texas, Sark's done a great job with his offense, and he did a great job at Alabama. But if you give Kalen DeBoer an opportunity and see what he could do with even a bigger recruiting base and better talent than he had at Washington, I just think being a state of Alabama kid, having a being able to set your own legacy, I thought it was a very reasonable decision and a reasoned one. And I thought it was big for Kalen DeBoer and his coaching staff to show that they can connect with an elite prospect because what was it, Gary? As soon as he was hired, the mantra started, well, He's Alabama's version of Harson. He can't recruit in the South. Well, he kind of shut that down rather quickly, getting a guy like Ryan Williams, not to mention Noah Carter from his old stomping grounds on the West Coast from Arizona. Yeah, Noah Carter, outstanding edge rushing prospect who had uh, signed an NIL with, uh, or NLI, I should say, National Letter of Intent with Washington, got out of that and is now coming to Alabama. Uh, I had Grandison Wagstaff on earlier, a former Alabama linebacker who met Coach DeBoer at the Alabama High School Coaches uh, Association meeting in Montgomery. And I've talked to some other people that have made uh, contact with Coach DeBoer. He's made the rounds around the state and everything I'm hearing very, very positive in regards to uh, 
uh, high school coaches and also just the visibility. He's jumped right in here. I mean, I don't think he's been a uh, full day in Tuscaloosa since he's since he's been on the job. He's he's you know you look up on social media. He's uh, visiting a high school. It seems like every day. Uh, Drew, what's your impression of him as far as the recruiting trail? Well, I mean, you have to grind. You have to get out and be seen. And certainly uh, he and uh, Kane Womack and a lot of that staff have been making the rounds to high schools in the state of Alabama, which, you know, there was a story immediately when he was named the head coach of high school coaches saying, well, you know, we don't know Kalen DeBoer. He doesn't know the state of Alabama. Well, he certainly he went to the coaches convention. Uh, you know, in Montgomery, and was uh, and was there, and uh, was uh, uh, introducing himself to folks. I believe that's where Granison uh, crossed paths with him. Uh, and Granison, of course, is now uh, part of uh, that coaching staff over at Enterprise High School. Uh, so again, I, I think he's made himself definitely available, uh, definitely visible. Uh, he's been on the Pat McAfee show. We know he's been on Dan Patrick. Uh, putting out word of uh, you know how comfortable he's getting in Tuscaloosa because uh, a lot of times that is perception. And, and then I think also uh, the coaches clinic will be coming up. That'll be very interesting in the spring uh, to see how many high school coaches. I think a lot are going to be really fascinated. And the thing you keep hearing about Kalen DeBoer is how down to earth he is and he connects with people. So uh, I think it's all been very, very positive so far, Gary. And certainly these junior days are going to start. I, you know, First of all, the one thing I did not panic about, and this is no surprise, the majority of the 2025 class, I think, except for two kids, decommitted. Because, again, they don't have most of them, except for Robert Gillespie or Freddie Roach, don't have any connection right. to Alabama anymore. So you have to reestablish those connections. There's plenty of time to do that. So to me, that's not something to panic over. Let this staff, you know, start uh, laying the groundwork for what they want to do. They've certainly still been active on the West Coast. Uh, I thought one of the, the key things they did, and it's not really being talked about a ton, was you're retaining the majority of your 2024 class. And I know On3 Sports really recently did their reevaluation after the All-Star Games. And even losing Julian Sand, who some had the number one player overall, um, and, and you lose uh, Jameer Grimsley, you gain Ryan Williams, you gain Noah Carter, you're probably, you're gonna, you're probably gonna sign QB Reese. So, look, you're still number two overall. That's extremely significant. Now, we'll find out a couple years down the road if that was legit. But still, keeping the majority of this class in, 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 uh, in, you know, in place is extremely important. And especially when you lost the amount of DBs Alabama did, keeping Zay Mincy, who has been newly minted a five-star, and Zabian Brown and Peyton Woodyard, I think is very, very important. You kept the majority of that uh, DB class intact. And now you can, uh, you know, go through spring and then reassess your roster and continue to add via the transfer portal. So I just think this roster is still going to be under construction, but it's looking very, very promising after a first week where I think it was DEFCON 1 in Tuscaloosa by some people. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of panic there and no reason for it. Uh, visiting with Drew DeArmond this morning, talking some ball right here on the Gary Harris Show. Uh, big picture for Alabama football, Drew. Just want to ask you your thoughts uh, until we get into August and we get into, of course, we've got to go through spring and the summer, and I get that. But uh, do you think this Alabama football team uh, under Kalen DeBoer in the first year? Um, I know it's a, it's playoffs expanded, so we'll be very disappointed if we're not in the playoff. But do you think this team uh, has a chance to win a national championship? I don't know yet, Gary. I, I can't say that just simply because I haven't seen them take a snap on offense or defense. Uh, I do think they're still going to be potentially one of the top three, four, or five most talented rosters 
but you're talking about new systems on offense, defense, and special teams. There's always bumps in the road when you have a new staff. Uh, do, are they going to give themselves the opportunity? I think so. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the quarterback position plays out. Uh, Jalen Milrow uh, had an outstanding, uh, you know, year overall when you think about the season that he had from uh, starting slow, but then the way he finished. Uh, he, I thought he had a very, very good year as a first-year starter, but now he's having to learn a completely different offense, a completely different style of play. Uh, and so it'll be fascinating to see how much better he can get because uh, I think this will give him the opportunity uh, to develop into a pro prospect. If he were already a top pro prospect, I think he would have moved on, a la Mac Jones after Mac uh, was a first-year, one-year starter and had a year of eligibility left and moved on. Uh, Jalen Milrow has stayed, so it's going to be interesting to see how they develop, how the wide receiver room develops, how quickly Ryan Williams ascends up the depth chart. Because you can't, don't forget now, he's only going to be turning 17 on February 9th. He won't be here until June, so he won't go through spring. Now, I would imagine he'll be, uh, you know, nearly every uh, weekend at least in Tuscaloosa, uh, working closely with the coaches and going through and watching spring practices. No doubt about that as he's finishing up his academics uh, at Sarah Land to graduate early. But it's going to be a very interesting spring to see. And then how the, you know, uh, Deontay Lawson's and the Keanu Coots and the uh, Jihad Campbell's, how they all fit into this defense, this 4-2-5, because it's different. So, I, you know, do they have the roster to potentially compete for a championship? Yes. I do think they'll be a playoff team. Uh, I think they'll be a very dangerous team, but we just have to see how the personnel that's currently here, how that translates to, to what, uh, you know, uh, Kalen DeBoer and Kane Womack and the staff's going to do. Yep, fair enough. All right, basketball, yep. Alabama, you know, Coach Oates, you and I were at the LSU game Saturday night, hung over 100 on the Tigers six times this year. They've gone over 100. Uh, listen to Coach Oates in that postgame press conference. I think he pretty much said, if this team will play defense and buy into the defensive principles and the game plan, uh, this team's got a chance to be really good. Uh, he, he has no doubt that they can score with anybody. Uh, but that is the the holdup, it seems like. Uh, do you think this team will get it? Do you think that they'll uh, be good enough defensively to have an opportunity to finish this season off and possibly win the SEC championship? Well, it's just it's uh, to be determined. I think uh, you know, uh, so far, Nick Pringle's been a little disappointing. Uh, you know, he's been way up and down. Wiggy, he's really been injured. So we haven't had a chance to see extended minutes from him. He's also suffered bowel trouble. But, you know, that foot injury and that lower leg injury is definitely, an, uh, you know, a, a factor. But the, the one good thing about that is it's created opportunity. I think uh, Mohamed Diobate is certainly taking advantage of that. Now, is he undersized? Yes. But he plays hard. He, some of the intangible things he does, Gary, remind me of Herb Jones uh, as far as the way he's always in the middle of the action. He doesn't mind guarding. It doesn't matter if it's a guard, a forward, a seven-footer. Uh, he, he competes at a very high level. So I'm, I'm excited about that uh, and, and what he's doing. And I'm excited about Jaron Stevenson because Jaron is a, is a bigger guy, six foot eight. He's got a nice frame. You've seen his extreme mobility. He seems to be getting more and more comfortable so while Wiggy and uh, certainly uh, Nick Pringle have not been as big of factors as we thought, uh, you know, Jaron Stevenson and, and Mohamed Diobate have, are getting opportunities. So this team is kind of changing. It's becoming almost a, a, uh, a, one, uh, a one big and then, and, then, and then four guards and sometimes smaller guards, even though Rylan Griffin has good length. 
we saw that starting lineup against LSU. But it's a very good offensive starting lineup. And uh, one of my favorite posts, you know, that I saw on the weekend is, and again, he was a good player for Alabama, but I think it's an upgrade. Uh, if you want to call it a trade, the trade for Latrell Wrightsell being uh, on the squad and being traded for uh, Namari Burnett, looks like it's working out pretty good for Alabama. Uh, Latrell Wrightsell is an outstanding shooter. I think he's a better scorer than Namari. Maybe not the defender, but he does play hard on the defensive end. And with the way this team is built, there's just going to be some games, Gary, they're going to have to outscore the other team. I don't. I just don't know that they have enough inside the physicality uh, to, to uh, be able to stop teams and, and hold them in the 60s. I don't see that. So you're just going to have to be more of an offensive skilled team. And I think this team is very, very skilled. And, and I'll be honest, uh, Aaron Estrada did not play well at all against Auburn, and so they, they score 79 points. But when he gets it cooking, Gary, and he had it cooking pretty good against LSU, you saw a 30-point swing, and Alabama scored 110. And probably if NATO had not been substituted so liberally in the last few minutes, they probably could have scored 120. Yeah, they were on uh, They were on point offensively. Go to Georgia tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be a tough game, Drew. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I think Mike White's done a nice job there. They're they're a lot better this year. They're more skilled. Uh, they just played a, an overtime game, one hundred two to ninety eight against Florida. They're they're much more like against Tom Crean. They were a, they were a team that had to muck it up when they were uh, when he was there. They they weren't very skilled offensively. Mike White, they're they're much better on the offensive end of the floor. So it's going to be a tough game. Uh, it's one of those games where if Alabama's going to win, I think. Georgia's probably comfortable playing a game in the mid to high 80s, but I still think that's the way Alabama's going to have to win it. They certainly don't. Uh, they need to play to who they are. They're they're not going to slow the tempo down. Uh, the, the question is going to be on the road: Can Alabama shoot the basketball as well as they have at home? And if they do, then they're going to have a chance against uh, uh, you know uh, Georgia. I know uh, LSU took Georgia to the bitter end uh, in Stegman. Uh, right before playing Alabama, and really could have won that game if they hadn't given up an offensive rebound and won. But I think the key for Alabama is still to get the the, get the game played at their pace, uh, to play the game fast, and you know, and hopefully shoot the ball well. And if Alabama can make ten threes, and if they can keep the turnovers, that was the other thing against LSU. LSU came into this game, Gary. They were leading the SEC in steals. But Alabama took care of the basketball. If Alabama can keep their turnovers in the low, you know, around 10, 11, 12, and then they can shoot the basketball well from three, which means making 10 threes, probably getting 30 threes up, uh, then I think Alabama can win this game. I think they need to probably uh, win a game something like 87 to, uh, you know, 78, something like that. It's, it's going to be a high-scoring contest. But I think for Alabama to win in segment, and they've had some success under Nate Oates there, but they're going to have to score some points. They're going to have to shoot it well on the road and take care of the ball. Awesome, Drew. I'm going to let you get to your <laughs> breakfast. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate everybody, uh, you know, uh, putting up with my breakfast pickup this morning uh, and still uh, hopefully enjoying the segment there. They can connect with me at DrewD977ESPN. Uh, they can also connect at 977ESPN on our station account. And, of course, all of our content is on 977ESPN.com and on our SoundCloud page. And we always enjoy being on the Gary Harris Show uh, each Tuesday on Tide 109. And big week for Alabama basketball. They get uh, Georgia on the road and then return home. And looks like it's going to be a sellout, Gary. Last, late last night I heard there was 19 tickets left. 
Uh, so the Tide Nation is really, you know, scooping up the tickets. You were there Saturday. So was I. I thought it was a great crowd uh, for LSU and a very, very loud and boisterous and a lot of energy. And, of course, you went down there and gave, and gave the fans what they want. That's Ryan Williams and Jalen Mbakwe. Great photo there uh, that you had. And, and hopefully Ryan Williams may even be back this weekend. He seems to be spending a lot of time in Tuscaloosa. And they had a big-time point guard on campus, too. So basketball recruiting continues to go well. And it's always great uh, – to see both these programs continuing to thrive so much. And NATO, I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit with his new coaching staff and this only three returnees on this team for how well they've played. And Joe Lenardi is certainly a rewarded schedule strength, as I know today or yesterday, I guess, when it came out, Alabama was a three seed. So they're, in, they're putting themselves in position if they can continue to compete for this SEC championship of being a high seed in the NCAA tournament. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it, Gary. All right, 951 here on the Gary Harris Show. we got to take a uh, final break. Before we do that, I want to remind you, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, you got a couple more days to uh, join the Y without any joining fee. Today and tomorrow, just get by the YMCA, sign up, get your membership started. No joining fee at the YMCA. I'll be in there uh, after my show today. Thoughts have been updated. They're designed to help protect against recent variants. Learn more about a COVID-19 vaccine option at schedulecovidvax.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A nice warm-up today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 61. Tonight becoming cloudy. There could be a few sprinkles around, the low at 36. Tomorrow, sunny and cooler, the high 52. And Thursday, a sunny day with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. For Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 9.55 and uh, boy, we jumped right in this morning uh, in the first hour. So uh, not a lot of time, but really not any time for phone calls, but we'll change that in the second hour. We'll have um, Corey Labonte from... uh, WNSP and Mobile and the Alabama High School Athletic Association Radio Network joining us from the Senior Bowl at 1030. Uh, but the first half hour, wide open for phone calls. Uh, first and Main Condos hotline will transition to the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in the second hour. So we'll look forward to uh, getting some of you on the air in hour number two. A reminder, this hour of the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. One quick NBA note before we wrap up this first hour. Brandon Miller really is just, uh, he's finding his hes finding his stride with the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I know they're not a great team, but uh, Miller has been on a tear, and that continued last night in a loss. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of loss for, losses for this team, and uh, they lost uh, at home to the Knicks. But Miller, 29 points and seven rebounds. He is uh, he's starting to look the part now. I'm telling you, the guy is uh, guy's playing great. So if you you know get a chance to track uh, Brandon Miller, 39 minutes last night, 11 of 19 from the field, three of six from three, four or five free throws. 
Seven rebounds, three assists, and a block, and just one turnover. So, really good game for Brandon Miller. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the first hour. Hour number two is on the way. Keep it dialed in to Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com for more of the Gary Harris Show. Shop at over 2,000 stores nationwide. Use the store locator to find the store closest to you. All pets are unique. Your pets' results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. Studies available upon request. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. First, Jim Harbaugh and now Joe Hortiz. The Chargers have finalized a deal to hire Ravens Director of Player Personnel, Joe Hortiz, as their new general manager. The Packers are interviewing Ravens defensive backs coach Denard Wilson for the team's defensive coordinator vacancy. The Commanders are still looking for their head coach. And officials are in Detroit today to meet with Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn about their head coaching job. MLB Network is reporting that utility man Justin Turner and the Blue Jays are in agreement on a one-year deal worth $13 million. In the NBA, according to The Athletic, Cavaliers star guard Darius Garland, who has been out since December 14th with a fractured jaw, plans to return Wednesday against the Pistons. And in the NBA on Monday night, it was the 76ers who fell to the Trailblazers 130-104, to while the Nuggets beat the Bucks 113-107. to Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread News Still no arrest reported from that armed robbery at Mills Pharmacy in Brookwood yesterday. Two black males stole drugs and fled on a black Honda Accord. High power bills from this month's extremely cold temperatures as Alabama power customers complaining about statements double their usual cost. Ground will be broken Friday at 2 p.m. for improvements to Calton Park on Pine Street. The upgrade will include a new playground, public Wi-Fi, park lighting, security cameras, and ball field upgrades. $1.7 million project funded by Elevate Tuscaloosa. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
right, let's do this. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama Sports Course. Download the Tide 109 app. You can also find us at Tide109.com. I'm Gary Harris, Justin Jones, right there on the other side of the glass, getting you ready for the second hour of the program. Time for phone calls in the second hour. We didn't really have any time for phone calls in hour number one, but we'll work you in in the second hour. If you've got something you want to talk about, please give us a call on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Paul Patterson is in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike Comer is in Northport at 205-759-3939. Feet on the ground in West Alabama, that is important. If you need a personal injury attorney, I would advise you to call Patterson Comer Law Firm. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All righty. Let's, uh, let's get this thing going. And as I said, if you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Love to hear from you. As I said, we're going down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl with Corey LeBounty at 1030. And uh, Alabama will check on the contingent there. I know Justin Aboyby, Chris Braswell, Will Reichard. Uh, Justin, is there anybody else? Those are the three that pop into my head. Just those three? Yeah. But uh, for Boyby, uh, I think he's going to really do well. I, I, I think he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. Braswell, we know, is an edge rusher, is dangerous. And Will Reichert, I think, is the finest kicker in the country. So all three of those guys will be looking to to impress uh, NFL scouts and coaches this week. And I think all three will, will be on an NFL roster next year. Uh, not to mention, obviously, some other guys that aren't at the Senior Bowl and uh, Alabama, as you know, as we've come to expect, will be heavily involved in the NFL draft here in a few months. So we're going to take you down to Mobile. Getting back to Alabama football, though, and, and with all that's that's going on with Kalen DeBoer on the road recruiting, uh, hiring a staff, um, it is kind of that weird transition time in that, um, you know, and I, I, I talked about this yesterday a little bit, Justin, so... Coaches are making a lot of money now, uh, even assistant coaches. So it's not like it was, you know, there was a time 40, 50 years ago where assistant coaches, you know, you didn't get multi-year contracts. I mean, they were year to year. And when there was a coaching change, some of those guys, if they didn't land a coaching job pretty quick, you know, they were they were selling cars or or teaching high school or whatever. Uh, now that's not the case. You know, there, there's there's enough money and and all to carry. But still, it's tough on families. But good news for Eric Wolford uh, going back to Kentucky as the offensive line coach. That's where he was when Alabama hired him. He did a really good job there for Mark Stoops. And also Joe Cox, who did a good job here as Titans and special, uh, special uh, teams coach getting hired at Ole Miss. So you're happy for those guys uh, that were here. And let's just be honest. They expected to be coaching Alabama this season, and then Nick Saban retires, and they're scrambling. I think it's funny you mentioned too the the change in salaries for these coaches. I I recently and recently, I mean, I guess just yesterday, started reading Kirk Herbstreit's book, and he mentions how Woody Hayes, legendary Ohio State coach, was only making twelve thousand dollars a year in the fifties. How about that? That That's was the head coach. Crazy. Yeah, it was so it was so different, and. Uh, I, I'll tell you this, you know, having been broadcasting for a long time and different places that I worked, uh, 
you know, I remember this was in the 80s. Um, and so it wasn't that long ago. And Jody Allen, who had coached here at Alabama um, and was a really good young um, football coach who has since passed away, unfortunately. But he had got hired at Ole Miss as the wide receivers coach for for Billy Brewer. And uh, this was 1988, I want to say, or somewhere 87, somewhere in that. Line and I think his salary was thirty six thousand dollars. Which listen now at that time I'm not saying that was bad money, but you know just the thought that in in nineteen eighties assistant coaches were making in the thirties and head coaches even then were making um, a lot of those head coaches were a hundred and something thousand dollars a year. Your coordinators might have been you know, eighty or eighty-five thousand dollars a year. I mean, it was not and 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 to get it even more in context, Mike Shula, his salary when he left Alabama was nine hundred thousand dollars a year. And then Saban came in at four million. That's why when it when Alabama hired Saban, everybody went, Oh my gosh, gonna pay a football coach four million. Because it wasn't being done. There were some coaches making seven figures, but not $4 million a year. Of course, it turned out to be the best investment Alabama athletics has ever made, the University of Alabama's ever made. But you're talking about the salaries have shot up astronomically in the last 10 or 15 years. And Nick Saban's got a lot to do with that, too. Not just because he got a $4 million contract, and that opened the, the door for head coaches to start making big money, but the way he paid his staff. And, and also the longer contracts as i said back in 70s and 80s assistant coaches usually just their contracts rolled over from year to year and there were very few assistant coaches that had contracts you know it was a year-to-year deal so if you got let go at the end of a season uh, they didn't pay you any money you had to go find another job much like the real world and um you know all that now is 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 so different you know most assistant coaches have have uh two or three or four or five-year contracts and and because of the kind of money they make, you know, they're not usually, you know, it's like a friend of mine who um, just got let go by Mike Loxley, the receivers coach at Maryland, Gunnar Brewer. He, um, you know, it's tough, but he's got another year on his contract, so he doesn't have to panic. He's going to get paid for another year uh, because right now is a tough time to get a job. You know, it's not it's not ideal timing, but he's got another year on his contract, so he won't have to, uh, you know, he won't have to panic uh, because he's making good money and he's got a, another year that he's due to be paid. But that didn't used to be the case. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, still, though, when coaches get let go or don't get retained because of a new coach coming in, you know, you're still talking about kids and families and, and being displaced. And, um, you know, I moved around a ton when I was a kid, as I've talked about before. It, it's not it's not easy on kids um, going to different schools all the time. And coaching can be very nomadic. You know, it can be a very, uh, you know, your kids are in one school one year, they're in another school the next year. So I always think about that. And it's not just because of, um, you know, they're making good money, but there's other things that, that go into that. But I'm always happy when I see coaches land on their feet. And, uh, you know, Eric Wolford getting back to Kentucky where he's, 
you know, very comfortable. And um, and for Joe Cox to get that job over there with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is is good for him. All right, 10 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, this is the Gary Harris Show on Todd, 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Uh, as I said, in the next segment, we're going to be wide open for phone calls. Where are my callers? I wonder if I made Tom mad yesterday when I talked about the crazy questions he was coming up with. Haven't heard from him. Haven't heard from any of my regulars today. So uh, light those phone lines up, man. I have a lot of people tell me, hey, lately, man, I haven't been able to get through. I call and it's busy or Justin says you're about to go to an interview. Well, I promise you this is the day for you because in the next segment we're wide open and we've got uh, uh, Corey LeBounty coming up from the Senior Bowl at 1030. But Delivered or installed quickly at your convenience because Lowe's knows appliances. Lowe's knows home improvement subject to credit approval if you haven't already you've got to try tuscaloosa's unique breakfast brunch and lunch concept brick and spoon downtown tuscaloosa timerson square it's fresh food with a cajun flair featuring a full bar with build your own bloody marys and mimosas open daily 7 a.m until 2 p.m available for after they're designed to help protect against recent variants learn more about a covid19 vaccine option at schedulecovidvax.com sponsored by pfizer tuscaloosa's old colony golf course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 u.s open champion jerry pate director of golf john gray and fitting specialist bob montgomery are pga certified mike shivitz is the head professional and director of the tuscaloosa junior golf program call today to secure a tee time at the tuscaloosa championship golf course everyone can play 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Paramount. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A nice warm-up today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 61. Tonight becoming cloudy. There could be a few sprinkles around, the low at 36. Tomorrow, sunny and cooler, the high 52. And Thursday, a sunny day with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. For more from Tide 100.9, let's it fly! on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud. All right, 1014, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And, uh, you know, asking you shall receive. We've got the ground chuck on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, ready to rock and roll with us this morning. Good morning, ground chuck. Hey, Gary, I saw that thing. Congratulations on your show being the highest-rated one uh, on, on the station. Well, I appreciate that, Ground Chuck. I really do, man. Appreciate everybody listening, yeah, okay. too. Yeah, I got two things. First thing I wanted to ask you, I heard that one of the things that helped Coach Saban into going ahead and retiring when he did, that he tried to get Bo Davis to come here as the line coach. And he wanted to come here, but he wanted a little bit of a commitment Coach Saban about how long he was going to be here, and Coach Saban, you know, being honest like he is, just told him, you know, I I can't guarantee anything. And Coach Saban, that was one of the things that weighed on him. That you know, a lot of the coaches he was trying to get and players he was recruiting, that was starting to be a real issue with them. Do you think that could have been part of it? I think there's some truth to that. I think that uh, there were definitely conversations from what I've been told between Coach Saban and Bo Davis, who left Texas to become the defensive line coach at LSU. And, uh, you know, he didn't wind up coming to Alabama for whatever reasons. And uh, I think there was a combination of things, though, ground chuck. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I think that the difficulty in hiring coaches, um, 
you know, again, this is me speculating, but, uh, you know, the NIL, the fact that I think Coach Saban met with a lot of players who wanted to know what their status was as far as their NIL deals and and money uh, going forward and not necessarily, you know, what what they needed to do to get better as football players and, and win more games and all those types of things that coaches want to hear from players. So I, I think that... Uh, you know, from what I've been able to gather and read and talk to people, that, that I think Coach Saban, when he coached that game against Michigan, I don't think he was intending to retire. I really don't, Ground Chuck. I, I, I think that, you know, when that game was over, I think he was intending to be the football coach at Alabama in 2024. And as, you know, time went on, I think that, you know, whether it was Bo Davis not coming to Alabama or, or, the transfer portal or NIL, I think the more that he thought about it, the more he just decided that this was the right time. And uh, I, I just think that it was, you know, a decision where he just decided that he couldn't put into it what he's always put into it. And I guess why I was surprised was, you know, he coached so hard this past year. I saw no, I saw no let up. I saw no let down and watching him recruit the way that he was recruiting, uh, you know, on the road the way he was, I think he intended to come back and coach at Alabama. And um, just in a period of a few days, I believe that he decided that, that that was not going to be the case. But I don't think this was something that he uh, intended to do. And I don't think he intended to, when he was recruiting kids, not, uh, you know, to not be their coach when they came here as freshmen. But you know what? Everybody has a right to do what they think is best for them. And I, I think when he walked into that team meeting that day, just a few minutes, I think he made his final decision. I really believe him when he said, you know, five minutes at 355, he wasn't sure what speech he would give. Uh, I think he had made, you know, some people aware that he might retire, but I don't think he really made up his mind until right before he walked in that meeting. And then he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to call it quits. All right, well, one other thing I want to ask your opinion on, you know, the in the years before Coach Saban, a lot of the what people said was the problem in Alabama was boosters, faculty, alumni, and everything trying to run the show and the coach not being in full control. Do you think the new coaches don't have full control like Coach Saban did? Uh, I do. I, I do. And the reason I hesitated on that is I do think that you're – I do think that you're you're right. I think that um, in past times, it hasn't always been a situation where um, the head coaches had full control. That changed 100% with Nick Saban. From the day he got here, he was in charge. And I think now um, that's what people are used to. And I think Kalen DeBoer is a strong personality and a strong coach. And I think that he asked for assurances from Greg Byrne, the director of athletics, that it would be his show. So I, I think that that will be the case, Ground Chuck. I think Kalen DeBoer will be 100% in charge of the football program. Doesn't mean that he won't, um, you know, work with Greg Byrne, the AD, and others. But I think he'll call the shots. I think we're already seeing that in regards to the staff. I think that he's, you know, he's hiring the people that he wants. And uh, he's putting his program in place. And, yeah, I do anticipate that Kalen DeBoer will have the same type of um, authority that Nick Saban had. Now, I think it'll be different in how he manifests that authority and how he carries out his plan. I, I do think that he is going to be a little more accessible by the local media. 
I think we'll see more media opportunities for uh, assistant coaches, coordinators. I'm hoping that we get to be allowed to get back into practice. Uh, but those are decisions that Coach DeBoer will make. But based on his track record at the University of Washington and talking with people that covered him up there, um, you know, it was an, a much more open policy as far as the media was concerned. And, and clearly as a broadcast person in this town, I would love to, to see that. But, yeah, I think it'll be Coach DeBoer calling the shots. I do. Okay. Well, I just wanted to tell you, too, as, as a listener, one of your best guests, you know, I know everybody's got different opinions, but that guy you just had on, the one you call Rocket Man, I, I love his segment because it ain't no wokeness or sure coat. He tells it like it is. No sugarcoating from Drew Ground, Ground Chuck. You're 100 percent right about that. He's uh, he gives you his opinion and uh, doesn't hold it back, my friend. All right, good show, Gary. Thank you, Ground Chuck. Man, good to hear from you. Been a while. Always, uh, always appreciate hearing from you. If you want to get involved in the show, 205-342-9904 is the number on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. So, just like Ground Chuck, we'd love to hear your opinions. But getting back to to this transition. Talked about for assistant coaches coming in, assistant coaches going. This is always something, uh, Justin, that, that, you know, I've heard from coaches throughout my career, how important the wives are when one of these moves are being made. And, and of course, now, a lot of times, especially head coaches, I mean, like I said, there's enough money involved that they'll have, you know, people that help them with the move and, 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 and the logistics and all that. But for assistant coaches, oftentimes, because here's the thing that's interesting about how coaches work. You know, when you change jobs as a regular person, you know, there might be a, you work out a notice and then you don't start your next job until several weeks later. When a coach is hired, he starts to work immediately. It's like Eric Wolford, who just got hired at Kentucky. Well, he goes to Lexington, he starts to work. Well, the wife and kids are back here in Tuscaloosa finishing out the school year most of the time. Um, the wife is more involved in trying to sell a house, buy a house, uh, coordinate the move. All of that that we don't see, all we see is, well, so-and-so hired a coach. The coach gets in there and starts working, but the family is left behind to deal with all of the things that the coach can't deal with because the coach has to get to work coaching. You know, you're at one school, um, you know, one day, and basically the next day you're in another school. It's like when Holman Wiggins left uh, Alabama. This is before Coach Saban retired. But when Holman Wiggins left Alabama as a wide receivers coach to go to Texas A&M, I mean, he's working here in Tuscaloosa one day, and then literally a snap of the fingers, a couple days later, he's on the job at A&M. Well, his family's still back here. And, you know, like I said, there's, there's school. Uh, the wife may have a job, <laughs> oftentimes, in the town that the coach is leaving. And, um, of course, you know, Wimp and Barry have been through that, and they could speak to it better than I, I could. But that's something that we don't ever really even think about as fans and broadcasters because we're focused on the program. You know, we're focused on the coach as a coach and what he's bringing to uh, the school and the football program from that aspect, you know, we're not thinking about all the behind scenes, behind the scenes things that are going on, but it's a very complicated situation when you're talking about these coaches making moves. And I've, I've seen coaches, listen, that have, you know, worked at one school, taken a job, gone to another school, 
and then got let go as soon as that season was over. So really sometimes in less than a year, a coach might have three different jobs. So that's just a lot to um, it's a lot to deal with. But they have to do it, and their families have to do it. And uh, and like I said, at least now, um, even if you're an assistant coach or position coach, you're compensated at a level that that's high enough that you know making a move doesn't stress you financially the way it might have back in the '70s or the '80s when you didn't really have the funds to move the way that you like to move because now um, you know let's be honest these coaches when they do move they're gonna have professional moving companies that come in uh, and move all their their stuff and and you know that costs money you know these moving companies to do big moves like that I mean we're talking about the, into thousands of dollars but they can afford that all right uh, just kicking around some stuff here as it's a little slow this morning well, I got I got spoiled a little bit uh, Justin I know you did too we hit a stretch there where Every morning, the phone lines were jammed. So we were, we were getting, you know, so many phone calls, we couldn't get everybody on. And, and then this morning, it's a, a little bit slow, but that's why, you know, I earn my money because I got to come up with stuff to talk about even when nobody's engaging. You know, Gary, that's right. We have been spoiled. I think we were spoiled in this first hour. We had some great guests come on. I think we started the show off with um, um, Granison. Um, Wagstaff, Wax, yeah. We just Wax, hit it. Yeah, that was a great interview. Thank you. If we're about to get... Um, Corey Labounty on here, and we're going to talk Senior Bowl and mm-hmm. talk some NFL. Mel Kuyper's first mock draft came out the other day. I didn't see it, so go ahead and tell me a little bit I'm about curious, it. I'm uh, curious. I think it's pretty typical, but I'm curious what you think of where he has some of the Alabama guys. All right, well, tell me because I have not seen it at all. I, let me uh, First of all, let me say this. I'm guessing that Dallas Turner is probably the highest-ranked Bama player in the draft, but you can – you can tell me, but we can run them down because I will give you my opinion on where they're at. I got to gotta scroll through the list here. Um, I know Dallas Turner, I uh, can't think of the position he was at, was going to the Falcons. Edge rusher. Hang on. Can you find the Mel Kuyper draft? Yeah, I'm pulling it up Okay. Now. Dallas Turner, I think, might be the highest uh, – the highest-ranked Alabama player for the draft. Again, I haven't gotten into the draft very much at all. I've been dealing with all this Alabama stuff. <clears throat> but um, Yeah, that was number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Dallas Turner's where Mel Kuyper had him. Yeah, and I think that's about right. I think Turner's got a chance to be a top-ten pick. Falcons, it seems like, are always looking for pass rushers, man. I, it just, it's just one of those deals where they um, they just can't seem to get away from needing a pass rusher and every time they draft one the guy the guy really never ever seems to come through for them so um let's see i've pulled it up here on my let me pull it up on my phone i've got espn plus no worries the, the next one though for alabama is the 13th pick the las vegas raiders take Terion arnold instead of a kool-aid mckinstry so they got arnold ahead of mckinstry what what pick is that again the 13th Wow. Well, he uh, he gained a lot of traction throughout the season. So so you've got Turner at 8 to the Falcons, Arnold at 13 to who? The Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, wow. Okay. All right, what's the next Alabama player? Next we have uh, the 18th pick, the Cincinnati Bengals take J.C. Latham tackle. What pick is that? 18. Okay. Hey, that seems a little – I like J.C., but he's going to have to, uh, in my opinion – get in better shape 
and uh, he's got the ability, but I think he'll need to. I think he'll need to play better than what he is. Uh, and uh, surprisingly, Gary, that's it. There's no more Alabama guys so in the first round. They didn't round. have McKinstry in the first round. They did not. Mel Kiper didn't. Okay. Yeah, I got to pull it up now on my phone. So I'm. Yeah, I'm, I got a couple more minutes. I'm gonna spend number one overall. Kuyper does have the Bears going ahead and taking Caleb Williams because there's a lot of talk, talk that the Bears might stick with Justin Fields. But um, he's got the Bears taking Caleb Williams, a quarterback out of USC. Number two, the Commanders, he's got uh, them taking a quarterback, Jaden Daniels, out of LSU. Uh, the Patriots at number three, Kuyper's got them taking the quarterback out of North Carolina, Drake May. And that means Matt Jones would definitely be out. Cardinals, number four overall. Kuyper's got them taking Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver from Ohio State. The Chargers at number five, Kuyper's got them taking Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. Number six, the Giants, uh, Kuyper's got them taking Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from LSU. The Titans at number seven, um, Kuyper's got them taking Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. As we mentioned, Dallas Turner, number eight overall to the Falcons is Kuyper's prediction from Alabama. The Bears at number nine. Aduzine, the wide receiver from Washington, uh, going nine overall to play with Caleb Williams, according to Kuyper to the Bears. And then uh, number 10, the Jets, he has them taking uh, Olu Fashano, the offensive tackle from Penn State. I'm not going to run the rest of them down because we've got to get to the break. But it's good that uh, – I'm glad you mentioned that to me because i got to get back into draft mode. Arnold, 13 to the Raiders. Um, Latham, 18 as an offensive tackle. The Bengals, really surprised that uh, – McKintree's not in there, but there is a quarterback, a cornerback of note in the top in the first round, Kamari Lassiter, who played at American Christian Academy. And Kuyper's got uh, out of Georgia, got him going number 20 in the first round to the Steelers. Kamari Lassiter from right here at ACA, phenomenal career at Georgia. He is one of the best lockdown corners in the country. But um, McKinstry. Uh, yeah, after looking at it, Gary, there's six corners, including Turner, or, sorry, including Terrion, that are in the first round hill here for Mel Kuyper. No Kool-Aid. It's, I think that might be the biggest shock for the first version of his draft. Yeah. Um, going into the season, he was a surefire first-rounder, and he could still get in there. But uh, I don't know that he had a, a great season. I definitely think Terry and Arnold had a better season. All right, 10-29, we're going to get to the break, and uh, we're going to come back with uh, Corey LeBounty from down at the Senior Bowl. We'll do that next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTVC, your home for Alabama sports. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and Three Club Show with Hunter Johnson. It's the Tide Basketball Post Game Show, brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance, Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens, but no matter what prices come your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans. Delivered or installed quickly at your convenience because Lowe's knows appliances. Lowe's knows home improvement. Subject to credit approval. 
Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Covering University of Alabama sports as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty-two. Welcome right back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and twelve thirty AM WTBC. This hour being brought to you by our good friends at Patterson Comer Law Firm in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Corey LeBounty. He's the host of the final drive on 105.5 WNSP in Mobile from 3 until 6, Monday through Friday, and also uh, part of the Alabama High School Athletic Association radio network and joining us from the Senior Bowl this morning. And uh, Corey's right there at practice, so we're going to get the latest from on the field. Hey, good morning, Corey. How are you? Hi, I'm outstanding, Gary. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful day here in Mobile, Alabama. They finally are on the field practicing. The national squad is up first. You're seeing Michael Penix Jr. and Sam Hartman throw the football to their backs coming out of the backfield. You have defensive line drills going down on one end of the field, but you couldn't ask for more immaculate weather for really the entire NFL world to convene here in Mobile, Alabama, because the draft definitely starts here. Oh, no doubt about it. You're right. The NFL is in Mobile. Are you this morning? Are you at University of South Alabama, high school? Where, where's practice at? Hancock-Whitney Stadium is when they moved the game here in Mobile a couple of years ago, really about three years ago, they moved the game, and all practices now are at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. They broke the rosters down to the American roster, which consists more of Southeastern Conference schools, and the national roster, which is really divided up between East Coast and West Coast teams. But a majority of the guys that we love to watch, listen to, and your listening audience and my listening audience will be on the American roster. Uh, when you're talking about the Bama guys, you've got uh, Aboigbe, the defensive lineman, Justin Aboigbe, Chris Braswell, the edge rusher, and Will Riker, the kicker. Uh, of course, a lot of other players are going to be drafted or not at the senior bowl. But for those three guys, what are you hearing on them? Let's start with uh, Boigby, who I thought had a fantastic season up front on defense for Alabama. What, what's the early buzz on Justin Aboigbe and where he might go? Yeah, absolutely. They will start their first practice this afternoon, starting around noon. But he's done very well in his meetings with NFL executives and coaches so far, and he's really mastered his media skills at the University of Alabama. You can tell he's very passionate. He's very hungry. He feels very blessed to continue to be able to play the game that he loves so much due to that neck injury. But, look, he said, look, I'll pass any type of physicals or all evaluations that you have on me. You look at the tape, you see me getting things done. So he's going to have a great week here and have a chance to enhance his draft status for sure. Is there a thought process yet? Are we even seen enough? I was just going through the first uh, mock draft by Mel Kuyper for the first round. Uh, Boyd B, could he, could he you know, get up into the second round, third round? What are you hearing as far as where he might go in, in, in the draft? I, I know right now looking at probably right around – 
late the third, early fourth. And okay. with a great week here and sustaining and having some great pass rushes, getting home, so to speak, in those defensive coaching terms, if he's able to get home and disrupt the offensive line here this week, I think he can push himself maybe to an early third and possibly the second round because we all know trench warfare in the SEC is nothing to be taken lightly. And he's done a tremendous job. He's coming here with the mission. He's been training over here in Pensacola, working hard to make sure he's in shape and ready for this week here. And I think he has an opportunity, to be honest with you, Gary, to go no later than the middle or early third round if he has a great week this week. And for Chris Braswell, we know, you know, pass rushers are always in demand. He had a really good season as well at Alabama. And uh, what's the what's the buzz you're hearing on Chris Braswell? Just getting to the edge and the speed. Uh, Alabama's ends are known for their speed. He and Dallas Turner both. And I think that with Chris Braswell, it's an opportunity for him to be able to show that he can stand up as a defensive end. He can put his hands in the dirt as well, just showing his versatility. Yeah to be able to get home as well. So I think that from his standpoint, Chris Braswell, when you're listening to scouts that are here in Mobile, Alabama, again, he's a guy that should drop no later than the fifth round period. And it depends, again, what kind of week he has. Gary, we've seen guys that have not even been on draft boards to, to go rushing up, look no further than Mr. Irrelevant, you know, Brock Purdy, I think the guys that are in this game feel that they can be relevant. They don't want to be that undrafted free agent coming out of an all-star game like this, and they know how important every single rep is here at Mobile. Corey LeBounty with us from WNSP in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. And of course, Will Riker's a kicker, and we know that uh, kickers aren't always valued in terms of being drafted, but uh, uh, you know, statistically the finest kicker in the history of Alabama football. I guess he'll just want to, you know, be sharp down there, show that he's got the, the, the distance and the accuracy. And is there any shot that he might get drafted? No, no shock at all. I mean, you just look no further than we saw a huge rash of quarterback injuries that went down in the NFL. But we also look at the value of a qualified kicker. And Will Reichert has been able to do that. He's shown his experience in big-time games. He's shown his big leg coming out of high school at Hoover, and that has translated to becoming the NCAA's all-time leading scorer. I mean, you just look at after Buffalo Bills right now when they love a, a guy who can kick a 50-yard field goal and not this. I mean, there's just there's only one or two Justin Tuckers of the world in the NFL, and I really think that Will Reichard, he can find himself a very, very lofty career in the NFL some 10 to 15 years. All right, that's the Alabama contingent. I want to ask you about Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback who played for Kalen DeBoer at Washington. And I was trying to look over some of the measurements, and we've talked before about how big his hands are. He's a left-handed quarterback. But I don't remember seeing anybody, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, anybody with hands any bigger than than Michael Penix Jr., uh, which is a benefit for a quarterback, no doubt about it. But uh, what are you hearing on him? Is he he a first-rounder? Yeah, I think he is. I think he will be first round and he showed the tremendous toughness that he had in that national championship game and we saw him almost be flawless against Texas in the national semifinal game and I think he continues to interview well this week I think that he continues to demonstrate his ability to be able to take what these coaches are giving him in the classroom and translate it 
onto the field, make big plays. We know what he can do with his arm. We've seen him be that left-handed quarterback that has precise and pinpoint accuracy. And you mentioned how big his hands are and his wingspan is very large as well. So, you know, as we're speaking right now, he's throwing to the wide receivers here, going through the drills. And I don't see any eyes that aren't focused on him and going through every single meticulous rep that he's taking. All right, Corey. Uh, Kalen DeBoer will uh, be making his first Senior Bowl appearance. I think it's tomorrow he's scheduled to be there. Of course, we're you know used to seeing Nick Saban for the last 17 years at the Senior Bowl, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of excitement and enthusiasm for uh, for Kalen DeBoer coming in there to Mobile. Without question, and he'll be, you know, Kane Womack has kind of given him the lay of the mm-hmm. land the last couple of weeks, and he's been no stranger down here to this area picking up Ryan Williams as well but being able to see him here knowing that he has a lot of his washington guys in this game and he has a few crimson tide guys that he's had an opportunity to meet so far to continue to promote and enhance the program there's a lot of buzz about DeBoer, and Penix jr said on our station yesterday he feels that he can win a national championship within three years at the university of alabama so nothing but great praise coming from Penix Jr. on Coach DeBoer and looking forward to having an opportunity to see him walk the sidelines of Hancock with you tomorrow. And speaking of Kane Womack, I want to ask you about the former South Alabama head coach. I remember, you know, either calling you or texting you and saying, hey, man, I'm hearing a lot of buzz on Kane Womack, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, leaving South Alabama to come to Alabama. And then I talked to some people afterwards that were very, you know, sad for South Alabama. Clearly, he did a good job there. And what I, what struck me was that there were a lot of people who understood, you know, why he was leaving, but were disappointed. Uh, what was your experience like working with Kane Womack as the head coach of South Alabama? What kind of job do you think he'll do at Alabama as the defensive coordinator? I mean, he loves defense. He's very passionate. He, he He's exuberant, and I think that that will translate into the players because enthusiasm is contagious. And I think he's shown that South Alabama here has been a defensive juggernaut in the Sunbelt Conference and really even nationally, ranking 15th in defense nationally this past year. You look at going to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and the blanking that they put on the Cowboys, that's no easy task there to go into Stillwater. And I think Kane is, is going to be great for the University of Alabama. I think he's an outstanding recruiter. He's a people person. And I think the pressure will be on him to do well from a defensive standpoint immediately, especially with everything that he's lost, but everything that he's going to have to reteach and regain here in the spring, going into the summer and the fall as well, but outstanding higher there. And, it just goes to show it's all about great relationships, and, and we'll see if that relationship translates into the defense being as stout as ever for the Crimson Tide. And uh, taking over there at South is Major Applewhite, who a lot of people forget. He was actually Nick Saban's first offensive coordinator at Alabama back in 2007, the former Texas quarterback who's named for former Alabama running back Major um, Ogilvy, of all things. But uh, he was there. They had a really good offense uh, for Major Applewhite, former head coach at Houston. Uh, how do you think he's going to do taking over the Jags program? The great thing is Major's been in Mobile for three years. This is not a new culture. This is not a new lifestyle. This is not a new city for him. He knows the Mobile, Baldwin County area very well. He knows the importance of recruiting out of the state of Alabama. And because he's familiar, even though he'll have a new quarterback, Gio Lopez and Jared Hollins is the true freshman that came from Mary G. Montgomery, an all-state performer. I think that 
you know, from a quarterback room situation, there's a lot of depth there, but continuing to fill out his staff and getting this second signing day under his belt, Major's going to do a phenomenal job. And the great thing is South Alabama has never won a Sunbelt Conference championship because the program's only 12 years old. And because of that, he can go ahead and put his staff to be the first to ever do so moving forward. And uh, lastly, you mentioned Ryan Williams. A lot of uh, excitement for Alabama fans to get him recommitted after he'd been committed to Nick Saban for a year, uh, decommitted, and we knew Auburn and Texas was was chasing him. You're down there, kind of feet on the ground in in that area. He was at Sarah Land, of course. Uh, What was your feeling, Corey? Did you feel like all along that he was going to wind up recommitting to Alabama? Did you think for a while he might go somewhere else? I really did feel that he was going to go ahead and recommit to Alabama. I mean, he showed you nothing different as far as at the All-Star Games. You can understand, he's only 16 years old, getting ready to turn 17. So what 16-year-old, I don't know any that wouldn't enjoy the process and what everything is going through his mind within this process. But for Coach DeBoer to get that verbal commitment back from Ryan after the wooing of all the other schools, when Ryan turned away Auburn in Texas and LSU, only went on that Texas A&M visit. Big time for the University of Alabama to have him there. And I'm looking forward to seeing everything that he's going to be able to do. Corey, I appreciate the time, man. I'm going to let you get back to practice. And I know uh, a lot of Alabama fans up here uh, are familiar with WNSP and, and, and want to listen kind of give everybody the social media, the website, and all the information that they need if they want to uh, follow you or listen to you. Absolutely. You can follow me on X at C.A. LeBounty. You can also follow us at WNSP.com. And you can download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you have to where you can go back and listen to the show and the great guests that we have, not only Alabama, Auburn, South Alabama, we just love talking sports on WNSP. We'd love for you to download it and take a listen here. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it very much. All right, Corey LeBounty there with some great information on the ground at uh, Hancock Whitney Stadium there in Mobile for Senior Bowl practices, giving us the scoop on the Alabama guys and talking a little Alabama football with us as well. Uh, appreciate him jumping on with us. Hey, also, I want to remind you about First and Main Condominiums in downtown historic Northport, Alabama. Absolutely beautiful right there at the end of Main Avenue and and 1st Street. Uh, 30 units, uh, luxury condominiums, three-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath, gorgeous views of the Black Warrior River, uh, situated next to that uh, historic train trestle just down the street from Billy's and... um, other great local businesses there in downtown Northport. I love it. I live there. I would love for you to look at uh, joining me as a tenant, man. These these places, you have to see them to believe them. You can find out more at firstandmaincondos.com or call them and set up a tour at 205-657-7465 or 205-310-7191. First Domain Condominiums, historic downtown Northport, Alabama. We're back with the final segment of the Gary Harris Show right after this. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. 
Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris. Coming up Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. on the Gary Harris Show, we're going to talk some hoops with Bart Heights, break it down for the SEC as Alabama gets ready to go on the road against Georgia. Also, we'll continue to talk Senior Bowl and Kalen DeBoer and Alabama football, plus your phone calls on the Gary Harris Show Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representations made that legal services provided by Patterson Comer is greater than any other legal services performed by any other lawyer. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue, in historic downtown Northport has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A nice warm-up today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 61. Tonight becoming cloudy. There could be a few sprinkles around below at 36. Tomorrow, sunny and cooler, the high 52. And Thursday, a sunny day with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Eli Gold, Chris Stewart, and Roger Hoover live right here. Tide 100.9 is a proud partner of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. All right, 10.50. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Ten minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock. And uh, Tuscaloosa Sports Daily coming up at the top of the hour with uh, Wyatt Fulton, who's down at the Senior Bowl, uh, in fact, and Kerry Clark. And then at uh, noon, it's the uh, Miller's Edge with uh, Corey and Christian Miller from noon until 2. Then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game, 2 until 6 of this afternoon. And, of course, crank it back up in the morning, 6 a.m. with uh, Martin Houston show, Wimp and Barry inside the locker room, 7 until 9. And, of course, tomorrow, the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show from 9 until 11. we got about, uh, oh, six minutes to go here on the program, so you can give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline if you'd like at 205-342-9904 if you want to get involved here in the final few minutes of the program. Um, NFL, of course, championship games in the uh, in the rearview mirror now. we got the Super Bowl matchup set between the 49ers and the Chiefs coming up. In 12 days, uh, this week is spent, um, you know, at the Senior Bowl for most of the NFL people. And then, of course, next week you transition, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, again, my thoughts on the season. It was an enjoyable season. I love NFL football. I've told you that before. Track all the Bama guys. That's a big part of it for me. It is kind of ironic, I think, that Alabama is so hef- heavily represented. There's more former Alabama players in the National Football League than any other school in the country as far as active rosters. Uh Yet these two teams are two of the least represented teams uh, in the NFL for Bama fans. So, I mean, it's still a lot of interest in the game, obviously, because it's, uh, you know, the 49ers and the Chiefs rematch of, of three years ago. But I do find it interesting, as I said, that, you know, you got some of these rosters that have, you know, like six or seven Alabama guys and the Chiefs and the 49ers, I don't think will have anybody that's actually playing in the game. Cam Latou is a tight end, the rookie tight end for the 49ers, but he has been hurt. He had, I think, surgery before the season. He hasn't played all year. In fact, you know, he was seen on the bench following the game, consoling his former Alabama teammate, Brian Branch, from the 
Detroit Lions after the 49ers beat the Lions. So he'll, he will be a member of the 49ers but won't be playing in the game. The only member of the Chiefs from Alabama is Isaiah Bugs, the defensive lineman who had played with the Lions and the Steelers and has carved out a pretty solid NFL career but was let go late in the season by the Detroit Lions and picked up by the Chiefs. Now, his status, I'm not sure of, but I don't think he played in the AFC Championship game, and I don't know if he's on the injured list or what his situation is. He might be on the practice squad. But Isaiah Bugs is part of the Chiefs organization, but don't think that he is going to play in the Super Bowl. So that's it. And I mentioned Bugs playing for the Steelers and the Lions. He also had a stint with the Raiders. So he's carved out a pretty good NFL career for himself. Uh, was, of course, a really good player at Alabama as a defensive tackle. But he's played now five years in the league. Steelers from 19 to 21. He played for the Raiders. Uh, a little bit in 21 as well. And then had a couple of really good years with the Detroit Lions. And I was you know, kind of surprised when they released him. And now he is signed on with the Chiefs. And uh, we will um, we'll keep an eye on those two guys, though, as, as they go forward in their NFL careers. Uh, we've got... Um, the Alabama guys with the Lions, you know, of course, I was pulling for Detroit because, man, my gosh, you had three very prominent players on that team with Jay, uh, Jameson Williams, Jameer Gibbs, and Brian Branch. And, of course, for the Ravens, you had Marlon Humphrey, plus a history of a lot of Alabama guys. And also, of course, Ozzie Newsom uh, still involved with that organization. So I was pulling for the Ravens, and I was pulling for the Lions, and, of course, neither one of those won. So we'll get what we have with the, the, with the Chiefs and the, and the 49ers, but we won't have a very strong Alabama contingent. Of course, last year, you would have you know, had D'Amico Ryans as the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, but he got the job as uh, head coach of the Houston Texans, and all he did was win NFL Coach of the Year. So he had a phenomenal first season. But I love Bama in the NFL. I love tracking it both here on the radio show and uh, on my TV sportscast as well. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Gary Harris Show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. A reminder, catch me on TV tonight with the local sports on WVUA 23. Then back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. Heights on Hoops. Martin Heights will preview Alabama-Georgia basketball and uh, we'll have much more. That's coming up on Wednesday morning. Get ready for Tuscaloosa Sports Daily at the top of the hour. And that will be followed at noon by the Miller's Edge and Ryan Fowler, 2 to 6 with the game. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Talk to you again in the morning.